Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about yesterday's results from games and wagers before diving into today's betting plays. Now, our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. Their mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of their website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website uh, can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS at sign up to get started. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. Now let's talk about yesterday's betting results. One and three day for the show yesterday. Once again, ice cold since we switched over to the new logo. I'm beginning to think it's a logo curse. But Winnipeg were minus five yesterday in the CFL versus Calgary. You would assume when you're going up against a team's quote-unquote backup, as uh, Meyer had replaced Bo Levi Mitchell, that they would be in a good spot. Now, Winnipeg wins the game 31-29, to but it was not enough. Meyer, in his debut as starter, nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So clearly the moment wasn't too big for him, and that's unfortunate for us from a betting perspective. Now, Colorado and the Mets over seven at minus 121. That game finishes three to one yesterday. DeGrom went six innings pitch with nine Ks and Alonzo hit a home run there. Uh, Unfortunately, 14 hits between the two teams, only able to have four runs. A lot of people left on base and we missed that play. Now the White Sox first five minus a half versus Baltimore. Couple of first inning dingers, one for Chicago, one for Baltimore, but unfortunately Baltimore's was a two run compared to a solo. So that one misses. The hits were seven to three through five, but they lose two to one through the first five. Houston, though, they come through on the first five minus a half versus Minnesota. Five to three is what the score was at the end of five. So shout out to the Astros. They end up winning the game six to three overall. Now, we'll talk other MLB results. You had the Rays. They beat the Angels 8-3. to Drew Rasmussen, he picked up his third straight win with a 9K performance. So, shout out to him. Isaac Paredes and Yandy Diaz both hit home runs yesterday in the victory for the Rays. Then you had St. Louis versus the Cubs. Dakota Hudson uh, had seven innings pitched, 4Ks in their 8-3 to victory. Goldschmidt hit two home runs with five RBIs, so you can chalk up the win to Paul Goldschmidt. Then you had Seattle 3-1 versus Cleveland. Marco Gonzalez picked up the win, while Mitch Hanniger hit the three-run home run that won the game for this team. Then you had the Phillies 4-0 over Cincy. Aaron Nola, a complete game, nine innings pitched with 11 Ks. And then you had Schwarber hit a home run for the Phillies there. Then you had Toronto, they won 6-5 to five over Boston. George Springer had a fielder's choice in the top of the 10th inning that won the game for Toronto. And then to cap it off, you had the Yankees 13-4 blowout over Oakland. Jamison Tayon only had two Ks, but he went six innings for the victory. 
And a big reason why Giancarlo Stanton back in the lineup, he brings home three RBIs in his first game back and the Yankees win that one comfortably. NFL wise, you had Kansas City and Green Bay. Hopefully you didn't tune into this game. You didn't see Mahomes or Rodgers for any sort of series. Uh, Kansas City wins 17 to 10. Uh, Green Bay was minus one heading in. So uh, hopefully you bet on the KC side and they went under 36. And then also under 41 and a half hit yesterday as Houston won 17 to nothing versus San Fran. Cause for concern maybe in San Fran is Trey Lance did not look great yesterday. Davis Mills, on the other hand, looked really good once again for Houston, as did their running back Pierce, who looks like he may potentially be the number one moving forward. It'll be a battle between him and Marlon Mack for that spot. Uh, as far as tour championship goes, uh, we had Scotty Scheffler plus 215 as the uh, winner pick. He's in first place through the first day, five-shot lead. He shot a great round yesterday. Patrick Cantley's still in the hunt as well. He's plus 370 to win, and he is tied for fourth heading into the day. Top five, we had Rory, who's T6, and we had Finau, plus 270 for top five. He's T22, but can turn it around today on this beautiful Friday. Cameron Young, he's T9, so he's in the top 10. Corey Connors, however, shot the worst round yesterday, and he is 29th, which is last place in this event, given there's no Will Zalatoris. So tough day uh, for a couple golfers, but we still got Scheffler. We still got Rory. We still got Cameron Young all in the hunt. We get all three of those and we'll have a very nice profitable week. Now let's talk about CFL games today. We're going to focus on CFL and a little bit of baseball today. We're staying away from a lot of the baseball plays as we've been ice cold on the baseball front. And we'd want to start to write the ship heading into September. We're ramping up to NFL and EPL is back as well. So we're going to focus more heavily on those plays moving forward. Uh, baseball just has not been kind to the Competitive Hedge podcast. So Hamilton, they're taking on Toronto today. Toronto's minus two and a half. Uh, the Argos, they're four and five on the year. Hamilton's three and seven. Now these two have already played each other once. Uh, they split that series. And so... This is one that I'm going to keep an eye on tonight. Uh, I do like Toronto. They are a part of our official betting card in a little bit. And then Saskatchewan, they take on BC. Saskatchewan's plus four versus BC. And Nathan Rourke will not be playing tonight. So we're going to see the Michael O'Connor show for this BC Lions team. I was at this past game between the, the Lions and, and Rough Riders last week. Was not close with Rourke in there. Maybe we see a different story with Saskatchewan's QB Cody Fajardo battling for his job and as well the backup there in BC. If you want to bet English soccer today, Luton Town takes on Sheffield United. I would lean Sheffield there, but going to stay away from that game overall as Sheffield are on the road, so it's tough to predict where that one's going to go. NFL preseason, you can go and bet on Buffalo and Carolina. The over-under there is 40. Uh, as well, the money line is minus 270 for Carolina. They're minus six overall for that game. Then you've got the Saints and Chargers today. Um, Saints are minus three, over-unders 36 and a half. Dallas, they take on Seattle. Seattle's minus seven and a half. And then you've got the Raiders and Patriots. Raiders are minus one and a half, taking on that Bill Belichick Patriots side. Then today you got Dodgers and Marlins. It looks like Tyler Anderson's going to be going today but still waiting to hear on who the Miami Marlins are rolling out. He 
You got the Nationals. They're minus 150 versus the Reds. Over under there is eight and a half. My lean would be on the Reds to win this one with Miner going up against Cavalli, but staying away, as we said previously. Phillies and Pirates, I liked this one earlier when it looked like Zach Wheeler was going to go. Looks like it won't be Wheeler now. It's going to be Falter, and so staying away on that front. Minus 280 for the Phillies, and the over-under is 9. Then you've got the Blue Jays, minus 190 versus the Angels. White versus Detmers. I like White today, but once again, staying away. You got Bassett and Cool today going as the Mets are minus 340 versus the Rockies. Minus 340, the biggest trap that we've seen in baseball this year. Waka versus Charge Gua. Uh, Boston is minus 125 versus that Rays team. I like the over in that game. Rangers and Tigers, you got Otto and Alexander going. Uh, I like Otto on the mound today for Texas. You got Bubik versus Musgrove. Padres are minus 190. I. Uh, and the over-under is 8.5. The lean there is Padres' money line. Then you got the Astros, minus 210 versus the Orioles. McCullers versus Bradish. You got the Twins, minus 130 versus the Giants. You got the White Sox, who are minus 165 versus Arizona. You got Coito versus Henry in that one. You got Peralta versus Steele, as the Brewers are minus 155 versus the Cubs. You got Quintana versus Strider, as St. Louis is uh, the underdog today against that Braves team, Braves are minus 150. You got Garrett Cole going for the Yankees on the road, so they're minus 240 versus the A's. And then the late game tonight, Shane Bieber on the mound, taking on Gilbert. The Guardians are minus 120 on the road. So if we're not betting a lot of baseball, what are we doing for our hedge morning plays? Well, we will give our only baseball play of the day, which is the Minnesota Twins money line versus San Francisco at minus 130. You do have the Twins at home today. Joe Ryan, who's 9-6 and six on the year, taking on Alex Wood, who is 8-10 for that good San Francisco team. But Wood's coming off a rough start. He had seven earned runs against Colorado in his last time out. Ryan, in his previous two outings, has a total of four earned runs, just shy of 12 innings pitched. So I'm leaning the Twins today. Love them at home in this one. And so roll with Minnesota minus 130. Then you got Toronto minus two and a half versus Hamilton. Uh, the season series, as I said earlier, it was split, but both the home teams have won. Uh, I think this is going to continue tonight. Both of those games as well were not close. They were either a touchdown or further uh, as far as the end result goes. So Toronto actually is all the way down to minus two. So we're going to snag it at minus two at minus 114. Uh, I think Bethel Thompson's the better quarterback taking on Evans. So Eileen, the better QB at home, given previous history there. Then Saskatchewan, they are plus four taking on BC. As I said, no Nathan Rourke. So I think the Riders are going to keep it close. You got Michael O'Connor at the helm. Don't know how he's going to look. We did get burned yesterday on a QB's first official start, but a lot less faith in O'Connell today. Now, Fajardo, he got benched last week, so he needs to keep his job moving forward. I think this is an opportunity for him to win a big game, even if it is against a team that's banged up. And then Saskatchewan can start to get back into that playoff hunt, and you can start considering them a team that's hosting the Grey Cup this year, potentially being in that Grey Cup final. But thank you, everyone, who tuned into our live show this morning to listen to our betting plays. As we said, it's been a rough August. We're looking to right the ship. We're going to take off and do some camping for a couple days but definitely be on the lookout over the weekend. We do have a couple of our NFL team previews that'll be going out on Saturday and Sunday as well. 
if you're listening to today's episode, you get the Seahawks. Saturday, you got some EPL plays with Tampa Bay. And Sunday, you're going to have more EPL plays. And this time, it will be with the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 26th, which means our 26th NFL team preview is upon us. We're in the home stretch, only a week's worth of teams left to go. Now, yesterday, the discussion was all about the New York Jets with their second-year quarterback, Zach Wilson, a team that drafted well, that's got a second-year head coach. We'll see if they can improve this year. But going from one team that we don't expect to win a lot of games to another one, just in a different conference. So today, we are heading over to the NFC. We're talking about our third team in the NFC West. This is a team that struggled last year, and it could only get worse this year that being the Seattle Seahawks. Now, we're talking about a team that this offseason went out and they traded Russell Wilson and got Drew Locke in return. So when you give up a franchise quarterback for draft picks and players, you know you're going to be in trouble. But let's recap 2021-2022 for this Seahawks team. So this is a team that went 7-10 and last year. They did have four pro bowlers on the roster in Bobby Wagner, in Diggs, in Dwan Brown, and in Russell Wilson. Now, they won four of their last six games. They went 500 in the division last year, which is very impressive given you had three playoff teams in this division. They also beat Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Houston, and the Detroit Lions. Now, this year they won't get so lucky as to get the AFC South, but they will have a few games that are winnable on their schedule. Last year, they were 16th in points for, 11th in points against, And that was despite Russell Wilson missing a few games, having Geno Smith under center, the veteran, in order to back up Russell Wilson. So the offseason, as far as Seattle goes, they did have Gerald Everett leave their tight end there. They added Artie Burns and Justin Coleman in the secondary while retaining Kyle Fuller and Rashad Penny. Part of that Russell Wilson trade, they got back Drew Locke and Noah Fant as well, so Fant's going to fit in nicely replacing Everett. If anything, I'd call that an upgrade at the tight end spot. As far as the draft goes, they went out and added Charles Cross, the O-tackle out of Mississippi State, at number 9. And then in the second round, they get defensive end slash outside linebacker from Minnesota, Boy Mafe, and running back Kenneth Walker. Those were at 40 and 41. So they made a few moves, but when you lose Russell Wilson, you know it's going to be a tough time. And so how good can this group truly be? Quarterback play is going to be sketchy at best. We're already seeing it in preseason. Um, As much as Pete Carroll would like you to believe that they have two number ones in that room, they have two number twos, potentially two number threes in that quarterback room heading into the year. So we still don't know who's going to start for this Seattle Seahawks team. Now, I don't think Pete Carroll's going to be here in 12 months' time. I truly believe this is going to be his last season in Seattle. I don't think he wants to be a part of a long and lengthy rebuild. I think, if anything, he's either going to retire or jump back to the college ranks. So I think this season will be his last with the team. And it's going to be a tough year. They're going to be the worst team in this division You've got the Rams coming off their Super Bowl. You've got San Francisco, despite Trey Lance struggling in preseason. You still have so many weapons and a good defense there in San Fran. 
And then you also have Arizona, who just re-upped Kyler Murray, so you're going to be seeing him for the next half decade. So this is clearly the worst team in this division, which is why from a betting perspective, Seattle to finish fourth in the West, they're minus 200. I think, if anything, this should be closer to minus 250 or minus 300. But maybe they think, okay, if a QB injury happens, or maybe Lance doesn't live up to the billing, they could potentially finish third. But the over-under win total doesn't inspire a lot of confidence either because we're looking at over-under 5.5 for this Seattle team. Now, the over is minus 141. The under is currently sitting at plus 115. Those betting odds from bet 99. The division, I think they're going to be lucky to get two games this year. Um, I don't think they take a game off the Rams. I think they have the potential to take one, maybe two, off of San Fran and Arizona. So when you're looking at a team that's only going to be 1-5 or 2-4 and four in division games, what does the rest of their schedule look like? So they open with Denver at home. This, as much as you'd like to call it a revenge game against Russ, you're the one who traded him. Uh, so I think emotions are going to be high, but that Denver group is much more talented. I think they're going to come in and pick up a victory. But then you got a, quite a few games where you look and you say, well, that could go either way. The Atlanta Falcons with Marcus Mariota, Detroit Lions, they've got Jared Goff. You've got New Orleans with Jameis Winston just in the first three non-division games. So I think you could realistically win one or two of those games. I wouldn't go as far as to say the clean sweep. I think New Orleans is probably the one you would assume is going to beat them. It's just whether or not they can take one or both off of Atlanta and Detroit. But if they don't get either of those games, you can chalk it up as this under is going to hit because you get the Chargers, you get Tampa Bay, you get Vegas, you get Kansas City. So when you're playing that entire division, you're going to be in tough considering the AFC West is the best division in football this year. Then you have the Giants on the schedule, you've got Carolina, and you've got the Jets as well. So there's a few wins potentially in there where you could go and pick up two maybe three wins in that non-division slate but I like the under here at plus 115 I don't think that they're gonna win three games I think they're gonna be four or five win team I think there are teams that are worse than them in the NFL this year but I find it very tough to believe that Geno Smith or Drew Locke or the combination of the two can go and win six games in the NFL this year the NFC may be a bit weaker but they still have to play the toughest teams in the AFC and that AFC West. So I don't have a lot of confidence in this group this year, nor should you if you're betting on them this year. But those are my thoughts on the Seattle betting lines. Now, from a fantasy perspective, quarterback, you can just chalk it up as, yeah, I'm not going to draft a, a Seattle quarterback because if, you if you're going to go and you're going to draft one, you have to go and draft the other. And... There's far better quarterback options. There's probably 30 better options. So even if you are in a two-quarterback league, go and get somebody else. Go and get Zach Wilson. Go and get Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, if that's who you want to be your second QB because you want to punt it down the road. But don't hope that you get it right on Geno keeping the job all year or Locke keeping the job all year. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence for me. So stay away from the quarterback room there. 
running back wise is a bit of a crapshoot as well. So you spend a second round pick going and getting Kenneth Walker, but you have Rashad Penny who had a good season last year. So you have Kenneth Walker is ADP is 81. So he's going in that seventh round range. Let's be honest. He's probably going to go sixth round because he's a rookie and you tend to see that a lot. Rookie running backs, they've got the quote-unquote higher upside, so a guy's going to reach on him instead of a Damian Harris or a Kareem Hunt to go ahead of him. Now, he is a, uh, ahead of a Cordero Patterson and a Tony Pollard, so Walker, I, I don't like him more than Patterson. I would lean him a bit more than Pollard because you know Pollard's going to get a third of the carries probably behind Zeke at best 60-40. 60 in favor of Zeke Rashad Penny though at 93 he's just behind Singletary just ahead of Edmonds I think he's better than both those guys and I think that Carroll's gonna go to the running back that he trusts now if Walker struggles with fumble issues let's say out of the gate then you could see Penny just take this backfield altogether Um, this is also a team that's going to be trailing in a lot of games so how much are they truly going to be using these guys in the offense now from a passing perspective you've got penny projected at 31 catches and you've got walker projected at 24 so neither back inspires confidence that they're going to be a receiving back in this offense if anything penny's the one that you would want from the receiving perspective just based off projections but this is not a great group i think you if you wait the extra round don't draft walker where he's going go get cordero go get kareem hunt but if you wait another round and Penny's sitting there, I do think he's a better option than, you know, the guys that I mentioned, the Singletaries, the Edmonds, the James Cooks, because you don't know what's happening in Buffalo and Miami as well from a running back perspective. Now, wide receiver-wise, there's a couple names that you like. You just don't love the situation. You have DK Metcalf, whose ADP is 47. He's just behind Jalen Waddell and Deontay Johnson. He's ahead of the Denver duo with Russ at the helm. Metcalf, he's a fourth-round guy, fifth-round early maybe. But you look at DK Metcalf and see the name, and you think, oh, I have to get DK Metcalf. But do you really have to get DK when you're looking at the quarterback situation there? Now, when we look at last season... Because he did play with Geno a couple games last season late in the year. The production, he got the targets. You know, he, he the last four weeks he had 12, 5, 9, and 11 targets-wise. But he's only catching 50% of those balls. He didn't go over 100 yards all but... He only had one over 100-yard receiving game last year. So you'd have to call DK season overall disappointing. He did have a lot where he's in that... 50 to 70 range receiving yards which is okay given you know you're getting this guy is probably your second wide receiver but I'd rather have Waddle given he's the second option but Tyreek's the first so he's going to take some of the some of the pressure away Deontay the clear number one in Pittsburgh Denver you have Russell Wilson so Metcalf's a great name but I just don't know if the production's going to be able to back it up I think Everyone loves DK Metcalf, but are you really going to love him from a fantasy perspective? Tyler Lockett's probably the guy to draft just based off ADP if you like to even dabble in this Seattle offense. His ADP is 97, so you're talking a late 8th, early ninth round guy 
who's going just behind the rookie in Tennessee, Traylon Burks, but he's going ahead of Alan Lazard and Robert Woods, the two guys that you assume are going to be the number ones in Tennessee and in Green Bay. Now, Lockett, I don't know if he's even going to be on the roster at midseason. I think he's a guy that teams are going to start calling Seattle about in a potential trade. Seattle's looking to completely rebuild. I don't think they want to have Tyler Lockett moving forward. Um, he is getting up there age-wise, so so why would you want to hold on to Tyler Lockett at age 29, who's in his seventh year, when you could just get some draft picks for him and really kickstart this rebuild even further? So I would draft Lockett only under the assumption that he's not going to be on the roster by the end of the year. He did finish 15th in PPR last year, so he still has some good football left in him. A lot of that came with Russell Wilson, where he had 500-yard receiving games, uh, was clearly the better option last year. But once again, it's the name recognition that puts DK ahead of him. Tight end-wise, you've got Noah Fant. His ADP is 165. He's behind Njoku and Irv Smith. He's ahead of Gerald Everett and Robert Tunyon. I just don't love Noah Fant from a fantasy perspective this year. Once again, going back to the quarterback play. I can get over if your quarterback's Jared Goff. I can get over it if your quarterback's Daniel Jones. They're still going to have some good games. I don't know what a good game looks like for Drew Locke or Geno Smith this year. Do they have the ability to have a 300-yard game throwing? I don't know if they do. I think 250 is your best-case scenario. Maybe they throw three touchdowns, but... You just can't rely on it week to week. So I think, if anything, you're probably wanting to stay away from this offense. If guys fall into your lap a round or two later than they're projected, sure, go for it. DK's sitting there in the sixth round, which <laughs> I don't know why he would be, but if he's sitting there in the sixth round, then say, okay, I'll, I'll draft this guy if I've already got a couple wide receivers. But don't think that because the names are there that they're going to produce – uh, the offense isn't very good. The team isn't very good. They're not going to be in a lot of games. You might get the upside of, oh, they're trailing, so they're going to throw it a lot. But when the guys throwing it can't deliver the ball, that's that's where my concerns come in. So my expectations for Seattle this year are I think they're a bottom three team in the NFL. I don't think they're the worst team in the league this year. I think Chicago's worse than them. I think Houston might be worse than them this year as well but they're not a great football team they're going into a rebuild I think next year it'll be under a new regime as well um, so if you're a Seattle fan probably don't tune into a lot of these games maybe when they play the Bears or Detroit and teams like that where you think you're going to be in games but they're going to get blown out quite a bit this season and that's okay. You guys had your great seasons under Russell Wilson where you went to the Super Bowl. You won a Super Bowl. But I just don't see it this year for this Seattle group. So thanks, everyone, who tuned into our Seattle Seahawks preview show. Uh, unfortunately, if you're a Seahawks fan, you're not going to be that excited this year. But hope you gave the episode a listen. Drop a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. really helps us grow the show. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Competitive Hedge podcast.